Good morning. This is Jim Colburn of Commodity Research Group. I'm here with Andy LeBeau, also of Commodity Research Group, and we're here to talk about energy markets. To learn more about us, you can check out our website, commodityresearchgroup.com, where we post our podcast and blog. We would like to thank our friends at EKT Interactive Oil and Gas Training for hosting this podcast. Check out their newsletters, podcasts, and learning modules at ektinteractive.com. This podcast should be construed as market commentary, merely observing economic, political, and market conditions, and is not intended to refer to or endorse any particular trading system, strategy, or recommendation. We are not responsible for any for trading decisions taken by anyone. Information is not guaranteed to be accurate. This is not an offer to buy or sell any derivative. Today is September 10th. Andy, we, uh, good morning. Good morning, Jim. We had a uh, extremely quiet market in July and August, and then September came along and boom, prices went sharply lower. Uh, why don't we start there and why don't you tell us what happened? Well, the market is soft, Jim. Uh, it's soft on, on a lot of fronts. And uh, I, I think that there, let, let's talk about some of the fundamentals that have, that have taken us uh, a little bit, have taken us out of that, uh, out of that training range that we were in for most of the, most of the summer. I thought for, you know, if you looked at June, July and, and, and into August when we were in this range, the market was uh, by and large balanced really. Uh, we were beginning to draw stocks and you know, I th the market I, I thought had, had reached uh, an equilibrium at a, at a, you know, at a low price level. I don't, I don't think anyone was particularly happy with the, uh, with the price level, at least on the producer side, the consumer's probably happier. And then, as we head into, headed into uh, September, well, well, what happened? Well, we received two million barrels a day more of uh, crude from uh, from OPEC Plus, and we probably didn't need those barrels, Jim. The you know, interesting, Saudi is up one and a half million barrels a day since uh, since June. Uh, OPEC Plus has been trying to manage the market. As uh, as best they can, and uh, I think they were hoping that uh, demand would be by this point stronger than it is. And Jim, we're just, we're just not seeing that big uh, that big increase in demand. And as a result, this this large stock draw that we thought would be happening by now, you know, it, it, it's we're not seeing a big stock draw. You know, maybe we saw. A million, million and a half barrels a day during the, the summer, maybe a bit more than that. And as we head into, uh, you know, last month, a slight stock draw. Now in September, maybe we're seeing a modest stock draw, but it's, it's just it's just not enough. So as a result, the market has actually softened, I think, for, for good reasons. So the um, I'm looking at the uh, October crude. We're around uh, 37.80 right now. And if, um, if I were a technician, I'd say, well, we went up to that, uh, we covered a gap uh, that was made in, in March where the uh, OPEC meeting uh, was, was collapsed and uh, over, over the weekend, the market uh, traded sharply lower. It, what, why did 
why did we lose all that volume in 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 uh, July and August? Is just the the market kind of following the stock draws? Like you said, it was in some kind of equilibrium. Yeah, I I think we 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 were in equilibrium. You know, we were we were drawing stocks, and it, it looked like a, as I said, supply and demand had you know maybe demand was was a little bit stronger uh and the market was able to to hang in as long as you know as long as it could and it was very, as you and I would talk about you know and I think everyone in the market was talking about that it was uh extraordinarily quiet you know we saw i mean where where did the vols go Jim during that period the yeah vols, the volatilities well if you take the um you know the april minus uh $40 prices, um, you know, uh, w where the, the Black Shoals volatility blew up. I mean, people, people say it was over 300%, but it got down to 296 uh, on September 1. And then um, with, the, with the sharp decline, it got, got up to 50% on September 8. And actually, uh, you know, the volumes actually picked up. So, we, so July, and, July and August, we averaged about 65,000 you know, uh, WTI options a day. And we were probably, you know, two to three times that as, as an average, you know, previous. So um, we're now trading over 100,000. There was uh, a 200,000 day. So, so the market definitely picked up in, in activity uh, as, of, as the vols blew out. And then on yesterday's rally, we came in to 45 and a half on low volume. So yeah, the market's market's not uh all, totally asleep it definitely woke up we'll see we'll see what happens from from now whether we make uh, new lows which which we will talk about let's why don't we start with opec andy um you said opec increased production in august yeah the, they've increased production from uh the june levels by two million barrels a day and uh you know we've and we've seen increase in uh in non-OPEC as well. Russia increased by 400,000 barrels a day. OPEC has, um, looking, looking at the cartel, they've actually done a, a pretty good job on complying where they're supposed to be. Iraq has been, you know, Iraq has cheated on its quotas, or should I say, has, what are they called now, Jim? Laggards? Well, they, they're laggards for a while, and then I think even the press started calling Iraq cheaters, so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right, but but Iraq reduced production, and if you look at, at where they were supposed to be uh, for August, you know, basis their last meeting, they're they're pretty close to to where they're uh, they're supposed to be. They, they've gotten a, you know, they've gotten a huge benefit of uh, Libya not coming back to the market and the the continuing collapse of the Venezuelan oil industry. So they've increased production, but that was based on a forecast that demand for their crude has increased. And, you know, the call does look as though there's a, there, you know, to me, it's like a million and a half barrels a day higher than their production. Maybe it's actually less than that. I'm, I'm not sure. You know, these demand numbers are really tough to, um, you know, to get to get right yeah. to say the to say yes. the you know to say the least. But you know, this is not what they wanted clearly from their their uh, managing of the market. You know, they wanted it to go to the other direction. 
Yeah. Uh, I think if they had their druthers, you know, they'd love, they'd love to see Brent, you know, into the, into the fifties, you know, low fifties, they got close. Now they're meeting September 17th. So next week, and you know, there, there is a chance that they say, okay, you know, that we may need to trim our production because demand is not coming to where, you know, we really thought it was going to be, you know, they'll probably yell at Iraq a little bit and say, you need to re reduce production, but it's really going to be incumbent on the Saudis if, uh, you know, they're going to, they're going to trim, trim their output in October and November. For September, they lowered their prices and they lowered their prices because these margins are, are killing their clients. You know, the, the, that's right. refinery margins are brutal. Right. And so they, they, they did lower their prices for September, but maybe in October, you know, they may have to, they may have to trim. It was, it was some of that Saudi uh, increase for uh, burning oil. Yeah. During, during the summer. Yeah. yeah. They're still they're, doing that. They're, yeah, they're still doing that. So the you know they're trying to keep their exports at a at a certain level, but you know the, the they've stopped their they've certainly stopped the deluge to the to the U.S. The other thing that's hurt them is that China stopped. You know, China was loading was loading the boat, right. uh, literally and figuratively, yeah, yeah. Yeah. loading the boat. You know, when it came earlier in the year. Uh, they got to the point where they just couldn't take anymore. And uh, come come August, the, that uh, that big bid that we saw from the Chinese was was not there on the on the crude side. Yeah, from my uh, old days as a wheat analyst uh, with the USDA, I just recall China being a very opportunistic uh, buyer, where they you know they'll just all of a sudden stop and wait for the prices to get to a better level and then come in again. So do you, do you have a sense that that's what's going on here or they just uh, are, are choking on, they don't need it? I think they don't need it right now. They may step in again. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe in September they, they, they need to run off some of this, some of this surplus. End user demand in China is pretty good, you know, for refined products. And the, the, that's, that's probably helpful. Uh, Sinochem said they thought Chinese demand in the second half of the year was going to be up 1% from, uh, from a year ago. Uh, so there is, there is some growth there, but that's, you know, we're only talking 100,000 barrels a day from, uh, from a year ago, certainly way up from earlier in the year. So we're, at least China's showing some signs, uh, at least for refined products, uh, that, that, that there's demand there on, on the government stimulus. Yeah, I mean, we've seen some of the uh, numbers come out for their jet demand, which, you know, compared to last year was better than most countries, but it's still not back to what it was last year, like the jet fuel. So, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not, I think um, I just saw the EIA revised uh, global consumption in 2021 down 600,000 barrels, and the large bulk of that, I think, I think almost a half a million barrels was due to China, lower growth in China. So I don't know if that's based on a GDP number or the the, uh, the actual uh, product demand numbers that they're seeing so far. But um, that's a that's a significant uh, uh, reduction in demand. Yeah, definitely. Maybe that you know I, I would just have to guess they were too high. 
on China to to begin with, and as I just said, it's it's like impossible to get these uh, to get these demand numbers. Well, I was going to say in 20, 2021, might as well be uh, twenty one twenty one because it's, it's so hard to to uh, forecast these things. Right, but I, but I think you mentioned you know you mentioned there one of the big problems in this market and uh, the, the major headwind is is jet fuel. Yeah, it's just not recovering. And now the EIA, like it's, you know, the EIA thinks that in third or fourth and first quarter, it's really going to grow. But I don't know. I, I don't see. I, I I don't see how. Yeah, I don't. I mean, certainly, discretionary uh, travel by people like myself <laughs> is going to be not recovering very quickly i'll tell you that you know that's right like we're anecdotal need, <laughs> you know, yeah. but, but still well, you and i are going to need vaccines i we're mean we make good, a good vaccine good not, vaccines yeah, right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. To, I, to to resume our discretionary travel and yeah. and business travel too i, I think it's uh probably going to be soft here in the fourth and and, and first quarter so jet yeah, that continues to be, if you want like real growth in demand, you know, we've got to get jet at least back to where, where it was. And, you know, we're millions of barrels a day below where we, you know, below pre, pre-pandemic level. And it doesn't look like uh, the U.S. Is, is coming back strong at, uh, at all. We're, we're pro- at, I think we're probably like 700,000 barrels a day below pre-pandemic levels on, on jet fuel. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's significant. Speaking of uh, jet fuel and uh, distillates, Andy, uh, I, we had talked about the distillate stock levels being very high and, and kind of not moving like, I mean, gasoline at least was moving lower, crude oil was moving lower, but distillates were hanging up there. And you really didn't see it collapse until recently. I mean, uh, the cracks have come right, down. Right. What's it? Why did it take so long? And um, is it where it should be now? What, what do you think about that? Where the cracks should be? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah what, I mean, they have been. You know, if you look at the crack chart against Brent, say, you know, it has been a steady, steady decline. It's really picked up. It, it's really picked up here on the downside in the in the last couple of weeks, probably because. You know, I think the market's beginning to lose hope yeah. because we're we're so we're like nowhere here on, on diesel on distillate stocks. Just looking at this last week, Jim. Yeah, we're at 175 million barrels U.S. This is, and that's 46 days supply. So that is day supply is stocks divided by demand. Right. And the five-year average is 144 million. So there's 30, 31 million. A day supply is 36. Yeah, for much higher demand. We're 10 number, days. Yeah. yeah, we're 10 days over that. That's a, that's a huge amount. Yeah. And I, I really don't know, you know, unless refiners can figure out a way to run crude and not make any, any distillate at all, how we're going to get, you know, how, how we're going to get through how we're going to draw this distillate, these distillate stocks. I mean, we could use an Arctic winter. That'll help. Yeah. And uh, we could use diesel demand. You know, we could use the economy to really start, you know, growing like there's no, there's like this, uh, like nobody's business. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Um, also, in, in the, the EIA uh, report came out last, yesterday, I, I, as I'll say it again, I think it's uh, highly underrated as a, as a uh, uh, monthly uh, supply demand piece. But they, uh, they have a chart in there showing um, like cooling degree days above normal and heating degree days above, above, above below normal. And over the last couple of years, you see that the cooling, uh, the cooling degree, degree days are above you know, normal and the heating degree days are below normal. So, so I always thought it would be, a, you know, when we do our comparisons, do we have this uh, warming up of, uh, of uh, you know, the temperatures built into these models? And, and, and maybe we do. And maybe, maybe the thing we're not prepared for this winter would be a, a vicious cold snap. But uh, I don't well, know. It certainly it's, would help to get rid of, the dis, get rid of this uh, surplus. And, the, and uh, you know, the manufacturing numbers, the other thing talking about maybe why Distler was, was hanging in there, the, man, the manufacturing numbers were, were actually pretty good. You know, yeah. the, like I, I think it was the uh, was it the July or the August isms? I mean, they both showed pretty right. good. Coming you know, back. they were good. And manufacturing, of course, is a key to um, is a key to diesel demand because as we manufacture more goods, you know, they're trucked and railed all over the all over the country. But you know, we'll, we'll see if that if that if those demand for goods you know, c continues. There may have been some pent up demand for goods and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that's easing off. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, if you, if you look at this, um, you know, I hate to, I hate to keep leaning on this EIA report, but they have, a, they have a piece in there showing the, uh, Goldman Sachs commodity indexes for energy and for non-energy. And then they put the S and P up there and you see the S and P is up the the non-energy is down about five percent for the for the year and the energy is down about uh 50 percent for the year wow. and, it's, and it just tells you where you know the uh the s p is uh catching all that uh high tech uh money money going into high tech because they're doing well um the the non you know the non-oil commodities you know think about things like lumber and, and copper and stuff like that it's part partly uh China partly, you know, the uh, the housing housing's doing well. Maybe, maybe cars have come back a little, you know. So so there's that part of it, and then the transportation and and uh, part of of the of the commodity indexes is not doing well, as as we have mentioned. But it's definitely definitely showing up. Right, um, and I, I think you know, you you and I usually aren't sort of poo-poo the um, you know the risk asset story and when the market gets gets hammered uh the stock market anyway it, it has a spillover effect i think at this point in you know there, yeah. certainly when the market was getting hammered last week uh i think it, there was there was a there was a spillover effect into uh into commodities and into our commodity into energy because the fundamentals are you know are, are not, you know they're not great right yeah, I, I mean that's. I mean, I need to hear the story behind the the price movement. You know, specific to that commodity, and I, I don't like. You know, the do, the dollar does this, the dollar does that. Therefore, commodities do this. It, it just uh, it, it it certainly correlates. I'm not sure it's always 
there's usually a, like a third factor in there that uh, is, is causing both to happen. Right, uh -huh. and uh, you know, the weakness of the, the dollar weakness over the summer, I, I, you know, what, what kind of effect did it have on, uh, on oil prices? Nothing. I mean, we kept it. We were in our range and every day. The headlines were dollar up, dollar, you know, the dollar weakens again. You know, and the market doesn't do what, you know, the market, and, and energy rallies. Right. right. Yeah. 30 Just, cents, 40 cents. I mean, come on. So we met, we, our last podcast was two months ago, and you thought the EIA, the IEA were uh, wildly overestimating demand going forward. And they did revise demand numbers last month. And, and so you had a good, the, the, this month's EIA is out. What, what do you think of uh, where they are stand now for uh, energy demand? Oh, I think they're continuing to be too high. You know, the, you look at the, the EIA, well, the IEA and OPEC haven't come out yet. Right. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, the last ones I thought were millions of barrels a day too high on, uh, on the demand. The EIA, which has come out, I, I think is uh, also probably close to a million barrels a day too high. U.S. demand alone, they're, they're looking for a big pickup, Jim. If we look at the fourth quarter, mm -hmm. they're, they're looking at a, a, a mammoth increase of, of seven or 800,000 barrels a day just from August into, into the fourth quarter. And they're thinking that the, the big increase, they have jet fuel going up and they have um, NGLs going up half a million barrels a day. I, I don't know about that. I, I think, again, I think that's that's wildly optimistic we we certainly could grow in the fourth quarter but i don't i don't think by anything close anything close to that and i, I don't see, again jet fuel is a big problem uh they have gasoline steady to a little higher and they have uh diesel a, a bit higher and that, that i could buy i could buy all that but uh you know on, on jet and ngls i i, I don't see it i don't see the, those you know big numbers yeah, I mean, if you look at their uh, macro forecasts, which which they get from an outside source, they they were looking at uh, a minus 4.8 uh, GDP in 2020 for this month's forecast versus uh, minus 6.1 for their August uh, report. So that you know that's a that's a huge change in GDP. It's just kind of like we're we're so used to seeing these these huge economic numbers now that it doesn't look like much, but, you know, I, 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 I guess I'm showing sympathy for the EIA trying to get a handle on this stuff. Would you, would you say that's uh yeah, I have sympathy for anyone trying, <laughs> including myself, trying to get, trying try to get a handle on, on this. I, I think, you know, they use a model. Sometimes I think you have to use the facts on the ground too. Right. As to and, right. and maybe overrule your model. I, I don't know if the government does that or, or not. I mean, Jim, you work for the government. When you, yeah, uh, in, was, your, in your early days, when you, when you saw something that you thought was just not right. Yeah, there's uh, the, for with a committee. We, I mean, we had major uh, input into into the the numbers that were sort of discretionary. I mean, you you know, you you added your analysis. 
outside the model. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I guess your, your thing, your question to them would be, uh, how are we going to get there? Right. I mean, yeah. How are we going to get they, there? When you say numbers on the ground, you're saying, here's, here's where we are right now. We know we need a lot to happen from now. Right. To here's, where, here's where the demand is right now. This, these are the jet fuel miles traveled. You know, how, how are we growing right. uh, to what you say? And on the NGLs, where's, where's that coming from? Is that ethane, is, is ethane going to go, you know, going to go crazy from now till the, the, uh, the, the, the year? I, I don't, I don't see it, but I get, you know, it's possible. I get, I, I mean, the EIA is putting it out that way. I, I think you need to go see the movie, The Graduate. <laughs> and then you might be a little more optimistic. <laughs> uh, exactly. exactly. The word is plastic, Sandy. Plastic. Right. For those of you who have not, for the few that have not seen the, one of the great movies of all times. Yeah. Yeah. The word, the word was uh, plastics, which is, well, you mentioned, Jim, when we had a pregame talk, uh, you, you did mention the packaging is, is, is growing, certainly. Yeah, uh, I, I have to say in our house, we have uh, used uh, Amazon a lot, and the Amazon boxes come with packaging, and it seems like there's some uh, you know, petroleum products inside keeping stuff from breaking. So. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's definitely the case. And that alludes back to uh, the point I was making on, on demand for goods. You know, is that going to, is that going to continue? You know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see. So why don't we sort of get closer to price forecasts going forward? We've, we've, we've had a, you know, I, I think we had, I think we've seen a low already if you want to count that, uh, that minus number we had, but, um, we we have bounced off of that, got into the mid low to mid forties, and now we're back below forty. I'm talking WGI. What what do you think? How are we gonna go out through the rest of the year? Is it gonna be more choppiness sideways? Or? Yeah, I I I think choppy sideways is is a good way to uh, a good way to put it. And our our last monthly, I think I was talking about like thirty eight to forty two, maybe maybe a little bit higher i think we are going to be we are going to be range bound here it is going to be what we'll look and we'll see if if there are clearly a lot of unknowns uh in in our market uh unknown unknowns right both the supply and demand side i mean Certainly, if Libya out of nowhere came, we, we've seen that headline that they, they've reached the truce. Certainly, if they came back and uh, added half a million to a million barrels a day, that would be bad. Uh, that would yeah. be bearish, right. clearly. If, if China, if the market comes off and China's, then we get a bid off China. Maybe that, maybe the uh, maybe the market holds and uh, starts coming back on the upside. OPEC cuts production. You know, again, that that could be supportive. These demand numbers come in uh, higher than what we're, that what I'm thinking. You know, that that certainly could be uh, could be supportive. I do think that. I mean, Jim, you made a good point on on China, and I'm I'm pretty certain that that should the market get into the low lower 30s, there'll be buyers. You know, with Brent in the mid 30s. I, I think there'll be buyers. 
And Jim. Yes. And we have the election ahead. I was just going to say, do you, do you see any uh, volatility <laughs> in the marketplace from the election? And I mean, I don't, I'm not sure I would put a vol play on for the election, but some people are look. I mean, I think it's in the, in the VIX, I think they're, they've been talking about it for a while where the, you know, the, I think, I think it's the, the month after the election is higher, a higher VIX than the month before it, something like that. Um, I don't see, do you see anything like that happening in the oil? For oil based on our fundamentals? Not, yeah. Not really because, not really. you know, we're still oversupplied. Yeah, there could be, I, I should say not really. I, I you know, there, there could be, I, I think for our next, uh, for our Octo October podcast, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about the election. And, yeah. Uh, you know, talk about where, you know, where we see the Biden policies relative to to uh, Trump's, um, and if there's any play there. And, and also, the, I think that uh, how the Senate turns out is probably more important than the president, because if totally if you get if you get Trump with a Democratic Congress, or you know you get uh, Biden with a re, with a Republican Senate, uh, probably not a lot changes from where we are. You know the the other one one last point and it's an important one because the the one thing that we we are seeing is that the the refinery margins continue to be really poor and you know that's clearly a uh you know function of of, of the demand side but it's also a function of the overcapacity on the uh downstream and uh i think that uh, one thing that will be healthy for the market is going to be some uh, some rationalization of, uh, of refinery capacity. We really need to lose uh, refineries in, uh, in Western Europe and in the, in the U.S. And it's, be it's, beginning, to, it's beginning to happen. Uh, some are being repurposed to uh, make renewables uh, rather, than, uh, rather than refined products. So I think that's, you know, that, that's certainly a very, very good trend. Not so much, maybe for the the owners of those refineries, but it has to happen, right? And uh, that that's something that will will be uh, will continue to watch. And I I would say that uh, watching these refinery margins will give us a good clue of uh, of where the market is going, because a healthier refining margin means that demand is is beginning to pick up in in a uh, in a good way, and uh, that you know, that, that may spark a, a longer lasting recovery. I guess um, the question is, do, do you, is it a business that you want to be in on a, on a, I mean, obviously oil companies are in it already, but if it's, um, you know, is this, do you want to be the last buggy whip sales or manufacturer? Is it, does it make sense for, I guess you've seen a lot of oil companies trying to get it, trying to redefine uh, themselves in the area of clean tech, clean energy, things like that. Just, I, I just running around, how's it gonna unfold? So does it unfold with like the last refineries uh, are making huge margins or are they just lumbering along and not doing well, but still hanging on for dear life? You know, it's, I, I guess, you know, is it, is it a, the, the last uh, cigarette companies apparently done really well. Right. It, but 
oil oil companies go that way. I don't know. Uh, this is something I'm uh, working through. Is it are the the electrical vehicles um, are they going to reach a tipping point where uh, it, it, and, and when does that happen? Is it, is it going to be faster than we think or slower than we think? I, it, I just don't, uh, these are the things that you kind of, we, well, we talk, we talk about. We, we, yeah, we talk, we, we do talk about that. I think you have to have an eye on the future. I mean, these Western, clearly these Western European oil companies, the, the majors, they are making some big strides, big investments Yes. in clean, clean energy. And I think, you know, why not expand your, uh, expand your portfolio? Uh, when you have the when you have the capital, yeah, it, it, and the, and the car companies are doing uh, electric vehicles. They just don't seem to be. It doesn't seem to be showing up in their uh, valuations like 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 a Tesla. I mean, Tesla is more than a car company. I understand that, but you know, you have you're getting like Volkswagen and others that are doing interesting things with electric vehicles and, and yet they don't have the valuations, I guess. Uh, um, anyway, this is an area that uh, I know little about. So I'll, let's talk about options. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, so we talked about gasoline. Um, the, the ARB is open from Europe. I think that's what you're indicating. The ARB is, uh, yeah, I think that, that's gasoline in uh, Europe is, is again, that is, uh, they're they're oversupplied as usual for uh, Europe. That's that's just structural, and it's going to be difficult. Any any rally, Jim, in, in uh, Pad One uh, in New York is going to get you know it's going to get hit by uh, by European uh, by European imports, and you know we'll probably start seeing everything moving west from. Uh, from China, you know, from from Asia into uh, into Europe, from Russia into Europe, and Europe into the U.S. Uh, again, it's it's the it's the story of the market. We're still right. oversupplied. So let's not forget that we built between eight hundred and a billion barrels right. during the first half of this year. Right. Uh, we, it's we've got to we've got to work those we've got to work those off. And uh, it's just gonna it's gonna take time. It's gonna. I think that's a great uh, place to end this, Andy, because you know we ex we, we hear people looking for uh, amazingly high-priced oil going forward because of the lack of investment in you know new new supplies. And um, it's even if that's correct, it's not a straight line. Yeah, it's not. A, it's not a straight line. Yeah. And uh, you know, right right now we're we're a squiggly side. You know, we're a squiggly line at, at lower prices. Right. Anything else you want to add before we uh, say goodbye? Well, Commodity Research Group can be found on uh, our website, as you mentioned at the beginning, commodityresearchgroup.com. I could be reached at a at commodityresearchgroup.com. Feel free to drop us an email with any uh, any questions, or uh, if you have interest in, in seeing our uh, our monthly reports or uh, anything else, let us know. Terrific! Thank you very much, Andy. We'll be uh, I'll be talking to you next month and and probably later today too. Okay. Thanks, Jim.